We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app 97.1 fm talk podcast this hour of the mark reardon show is sponsored by gamma tree experts your trees deserve the best care call gamma tree experts Mark Reardon. The heart of America is not government. The center of America is not Washington, D.C. The center of America is the neighborhoods where 330 million Americans are raising their kids and trying to put food on the table and trying to love their neighbors. Mark Reardon. There's nothing worse than a reckless jackass who thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I am the smartest man alive! The Mark Reardon Show is on now. And good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the show. Sue Thomas is in the studio with us this afternoon. We're off and running. Um, you know, I always have plans. Well, it'd be a lie for me to say. I always have plans with how I'm going to open up the show, Sue, because I don't always have plans. Yeah. But typically I have plans of how I'm going to open up the show. And then Fred says something right before the show starts <laughs> that throws me totally off whack. And he says this. He says, How about because, old Fred yeah, Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? That was, you know, so his name is Fred Bottomer. And we, I, I don't even know how many people listening right now are aware of that. But when we had our event last year with Heritage out in St. Charles, and I mentioned Fred's name, we had like 500 people in that room, and in unison, a bunch of them said, no, it's Bottenheimer, when I said <laughs> Bottomer, and he said, Sue, re- recount what Fred just told us here. Fred said, a neighbor of mine was confused. He wondered if I was using a different name on KMOX than I am here, and he thought maybe I had two names, and we found that entertaining. No, it's just um, the, the true story, we, we've recounted this before, but Kenny came in to fill in, that's Kenny Wallace, Kenny right? Wallace. Um, <laughs> He did great. And he was one day, our boss, Steve Moore, I, I was out sick or something like that or, you know, playing golf. Or I don't know what it was. And he said, Kenny, do you want to come in? And Kenny, look, the guy's a professional athlete. He's been a professional broadcaster. But he got, this is weird for me, he got a little nervous and intimidated being in Camo X. And he had worked with Fred before. And that's when he How said. How about old Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? So it's just an epic clip. And I know Kenny listens a lot, so he hears it quite a bit. And hopefully he gets a. Uh, a kick out of we that. We love it, Kenny. Yeah. So I, I will say, and I don't want to share this information too much, but I, I will share it from the standpoint that it's on my mind this afternoon. Got a call from my wife earlier in the day, and apparently, so my daughter turns eight years old uh, tomorrow. She's mildly birthday. excited. She's mildly excited, but she got in a fight today at school, got what? pulled into the principal's office. Yes. Mark. And it was relatively, I, I won't give you all the details because there's a couple of things that are concerning. However, the, 
Oh my God! Well, you want to know what? You're taking this well. I well, am not taking this. I'm not well. taking. I'm really not. I, you, you, some, but okay. no, that's because I haven't told you what the fight was about. The the other kid. Now again, you got to think about these things here. The other kid was a Cubs fan, and that's what the fight was about. Because the kid was a Cubs fan, and Alexis said she was a Cardinals fan, and I think it might have gotten a little out of control. Wow! From there. Yeah, that's not. It's not good. I'm not was advocating it a this. Physical? No, fight? I don't oh, think there was anything physical. Arguing. But there were some words that were exchanged quite candidly that uh, I don't think were were very good, and it has me as a father concerned. But here's the deal on that, which sucks, is she's gonna. You know, it's not like I have ever touched this kid physically. Right. Like my dad did, who's listening right now. I wasn't beaten or anything like that, but the belt came on every once in a while. The belt was pretty good at, you know, scaring uh-huh. the crap out of you, putting the fear of God in you, right? So she's just been acting up a little bit, you know, like maybe an eight-year-old would, but this is something that will result in punishment mm-hmm. and the iPad being taken away and stuff like that, but she's going to freak out tonight knowing that they- I have to talk to her about this and her birthday. So I don't want to ruin her birthday. On the other hand, it's it's not... It's not great. Now, you know, I've said this soon. Maybe I'll pull these out every once in a while. I, I think this about is this. Interesting. When I was in, 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 this might indicate something, but when I was in that age group, like first, second, kindergarten, first, second grade, I moved schools by the time I was in third grade, and maybe some of this took care of itself. But uh, there's behavioral things that are, <laughs> this won't surprise people. On my report card, like one time I remember this one kid, I, and I shouldn't have done this. This was terrible. I pushed his head. He was at the drinking fountain. I think I pushed him to the point where maybe his head could have hit the drink. Not not right. proud of that moment. I just know. Goodness. Yeah. He might have been a Cubs fan, too. That was up in Chicago. So. Well, I mean, clearly she was in the right in her opinion. <laughs> well, but we no must doubt. not. But, the yeah, the yes. action would be in question. Here this afternoon. Oh, my wow. God. Oh, man. So, you know, Dr. Starnes, who is the principal there, and I've gotten to know her quite a bit. And see, this little girl is sassy, right? And and Dr. Starnes knows that. And she said something even this morning when I dropped her off. She's like, yep, that's all I I was when I, you know, so I sent her an email and said, whoa. Because you, you legit could get kicked out of school no, you if really you do could. something the wrong Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Right? You say something, you do mm-hmm. something. So my, my guess is this all started maybe as a little bit of a joke and then got out of hand. But I'll... Um, you know, I'll keep you posted as much okay. as I All right. w- want to. We have <laughs> as much well, as I well, want Well, because to. I, I honestly no, wasn't I even going to mention it, but I thought, eh, you know, yeah. my life is an open book, Sue. It certainly is. All right. We're going to get to a lot here this afternoon. Uh, Carrie Ingram is coming up this hour. She's with the American Center for Transforming Education. Wrote a great piece about how some of these classrooms have gone woke and wild. Jennings is with us. Um, this is interesting, too, because Jennings is one of our top political correspondents. You see him on CNN trying to hold that group together as the lone Republican. He wrote a column. I got this sent to me overnight. You know, our friend Joe Arnold is in Louisville. We are on a cardinal string. And if you remember, a week ago, Scott was in Jupiter and he talked about spring training. Yeah. We were talking politics, but he he goes every year. So he shared a column with me this morning. This is how I woke up from the L.A. Times. And the uh, headline in the uh, I got to make sure I get this thing right. The headline is here. You want to read the headline there? What's the headline say? Uh, opinion. Baseball's new pitch clock is the best thing since sliced bread. That's wow. what it says. So I'm thinking, okay, and I open it up. It's Jennings who wrote the damn thing. It's his column in the Jennings. L.A. Times. And I thought, did an alien take him over? Because he's well, a purist. He, he is a purist. I, so, what happened? Well, he actually explains it. And he, he makes the case that some of darn. these rules are going to be okay, that the fans are going to settle in. So we'll keep an open mind on that. Um, also coming up here this afternoon, Senator Eric Schmidt. So we got a bunch of stuff going on. But let me start with our friend Cori Bush, because she's always fun to have a little, um, you know, 
topic on. There's a guy by the name of Neth. Oh, this is going to be epic. And, I, and I'm going to probably have to use this for audio cut of the day, but we'll come full circle at the end of the show. There's a guy by the name of Nathaniel Davis. And he, um, well, he thinks that Jews control the world. He's anti-Semitic. We'll get into some of that here in a second. But he has received, he's on Corey Bush's security team, right? He's gotten about $137,000 from her in the last few years. And I think even if you look at the, they wrote about this today in, um, where the heck was this? I think this was the Free Beacon. But one of the things that they that they talked about is how this was a person that was at Corey Bush's side during the July 3rd, 2020 protest that culminated in her shouting through a megaphone outside of the home of Mark and Patricia McCloskey. You remember that. So this guy, I don't know who put this together, but somebody kind of got all his videos from the past and his back. He's a former member of the new Black Panther Party, which is vehemently anti-Semitic, which is a pretty good fit for Corey Bush because she hangs out with these people. But listen to this guy, because I think he's sort of legit crazy, too. I'm a teacher. I'm going to give you brand new knowledge as much as I can. I'm going to teach you how to grow food. And if you want to learn something from the mystery schools, I'll teach you out the mystery schools. I love Sufism. I love Essenism. I love Gnostic schools, the Gnostic texts. Love them. I love voodoo. Love it. Love it. I love Paolo Mayombe. Love it. So I stick to the mystical side of everything. You know that walk on water? That deal, that hill of man. I don't know how to walk on water yet, but that is the science. It's called the science of levitation. Yeah. It's a simple science, too. It's a science of levitation. So this guy, as I mentioned, he is a former member of the uh, New Black Panther Party. Corey Bush, just to give you a little background on Corey Bush, our uh, wonderful first district congresswoman from Missouri who wants to defund the police in the Pentagon, even though the Pentagon is the biggest employer in her district, which is awesome. She spent years working with uh, Naveen Ayesh, who has said that she wants to burn Jews alive. What's interesting about this is that if you have someone who's a Republican that has anything close to this in their background, it's absolutely headline news and people are asked about it like political candidates or members of Congress are asked about it with Cori Bush you're not going to get anything here we'll see if anyone wants to ask her about this guy Mr. Davis he goes on I mean some of this is comical really I was put on this planet to break the spell one of the people put on this planet to break the spell not more I'm not peaceful at all you mess with me I'm messing with you I'm doing you 10 times worse than what you did me I might go give me a goat or something or give me a ram or something put some blood on the altar your whole family though could care less yeah so he could care less you, you have to remember here and he gets into some of this faith stuff here Corey bush was and this is what the free beacon says she worked as a faith healer for a sect that claims the power to resurrect the dead and cure deadly maladies through prayer apparently i didn't know this but the head of uh, bush's church told the free beacon in 2021 that he cured Corey bush's severe case of covid19 with a phone call all it took was a phone call. He didn't need any Paxlovid or anything like that. Who knew? I wish we would have known that a couple years ago, right? You're a Christian. I'm going to take you to the book of Psalms. I'll show you how to knock a person and make all their teeth fall out their mouth. The book of Luke Mon is the most powerful book of magic in the Quran. The book of wisdom. That's why it's the book of wisdom. I got a sewer in there that make tornadoes. Flat out. All right. Now, are you catching this? He He's claiming... He, he claims that he can summon tornadoes and uh, cause earthquakes and win the lottery and things like that. That's how I learned how to make tornadoes. See, that's what Sufism is all about. Yes. In the book, of, I'm going to take you in the book of Proverbs and show you how to make lightning touch where you want it to touch and burn some down. Yes. 
I got a chant in the Torah that, that makes fire out of nothing. No, I'm not going to get on live and prove, but you can come get it from me. I wish I could have, and I know the video's on right now if you want to watch on the Twitter, but Sue's face when she's listening to this right now <laughs> is absolutely epic. One of the best quotes ever comes from, the, from Spider-Man. He's not wrong about this. With great power comes great responsibility. I just love that he's quoting Spider-Man That's there, Spider-Man. Right? I'm a very yeah. humble individual because I know what I can actually do. Yeah, I don't know that Spider-Man is the first person to yeah, say I, that. Yeah, I don't the believe way. he's but the we'll, originator. We'll go with that with Nathaniel Davis here. I've done it. I gave them the Iain principle and taught them how to make it rain because that's one of our weapons. See, I teach nature alchemy. I yes. developed it. Yeah, here, listen to this. That's my science. It is. I know how to manipulate weather. Uh-huh. That's, you want a religion? All right, nature alchemy. That'll be your religion. Want to learn how to make a tornado? Yes. Want to learn, learn how to make it rain? I do. Want to learn how to manipulate lightning? Why not? We got that science around her. Yeah. That's his science. Don't forget it. He's not going to show you. No way. He's not going to show you. But no. here, I got a couple more here because this is uh, this is radio gold here. And by Which the way, he, he claims you might hear this here. He claims that he was he's like 109 trillion years old. By the way, did you know that? No. Jews control the world. 109 trillion years old. He can make tornadoes, things like that. Which means they plan this pandemic on us as a people, and we're so busy out here hating each other because of what we look like, what we sound like, how we walk, how we talk, that we don't see the bigger picture. You got the global elite looking to kill every last one of us. They want to wipe out half the population of the planet. The the global count on the planet is 7.8 billion, 7.9 billion people. And the global elite is trying to reduce that down to right around 50 million. 50 million? That's a lot of people dead, man. Yeah, so we're going to go from... Eight billion to fifty million because of the global elites. You know, the funny thing about some of this is that you would find probably some common ground with some people, maybe even on the other side, with some of the theories that he's spinning here. But then he gets into the fifty million. I'm not saying you should buy into any of it. I'm just saying there might be some crossover with some people who share different views on the right side of the political equation. One more here from Mr. Davis. I'm not from the nation of Islam, but I read the honor Elijah Muhammad's book, Fall of America, and I'm seeing everything come true, come to pass. The God came and dropped some knowledge on us. It's coming to pass. America is falling. Mm-hmm. It's going to topple itself, but it's a planned system. That's what this global pandemic is about. We're getting a new global system put in place mm-hmm. by the families that run the planet. It's not a conspiracy theory, man. It's just facts. Yeah, it's just fact. He talks about some of the Jews that run the planet. That's where he gets even more anti-Semitic. But that's that's a treat, isn't it? Wow. And, you know, again, let's let's say that somebody like that. This is a perfect example, really. Somebody like that. We have Senator Schmidt on the show today, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody like that was associated with Eric Schmidt that said those types of wacky things. You can flip the narrative if you want. Wacky things that might be considered right-wing kooky instead of left-wing kooky. Again, there's maybe some crossover there. You'd have the Post-Dispatch doing a story on that person, on Eric Schmidt. You'd have Tony Messenger writing a column about that. You'd have the editorial board saying, look at this wacky person that's associated with our United States senator. I mean, there won't be any coverage uh, of this guy, probably. Corey Bush's team won't respond to anything, and no one will take the time. And I would be shocked if I'm proven wrong on that. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see it because this was the Free Beacon. I shot this out. They did the reporting on it. They put the audio together. We'll see if anyone responds. Now, is it unusual to have someone affiliated with a member of Congress that's whacked out? No. 
because we, we've seen that before. But again, when it gets pointed out with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Swalwell and those guys, well, then you have, you know, media coverage that's ad nauseum. So we'll see if we get any for uh, Corey. If nothing else, it was very entertaining. Coming up, Carrie Ingram, who is the director and the fellow of the American Center for Transforming Education in Seattle at the Discovery Institute, wrote a great piece on some of the things happening in our classrooms with woke education. I mentioned Scott Jennings. We'll talk baseball. His column in the L.A. Times about the pitch clock and a faster-paced game. We'll get into politics as well because there's a column. There's actually a column in the Washington Post today advising Major League Baseball to pull out of Jupiter and all these other spring training facilities because of the evil Ron DeSantis. Gene Evans with us, former executive director of the GOP and a former state rep. She's uh, the head of the Missouri Federation for Children. We'll talk some education issues in the 5 o'clock hour when Senator Schmidt joins us as well. Hang in there. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sue, a reminder about Fish Fry Fridays because we're having a lot of fun. We were at St. Stephen's in South City last week. We have uh, this one coming up here at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Eureka. Sean Flower, who has been on the show before, he's the mayor of Eureka. We invited him to be on the roundtable on Friday, so he will join 
join us. Jane will be here, John Gaskin as well. So that's all set up for Friday. And then for planning purposes, when you uh, buy the Mark Reardon Show uh, Fish Fry T-shirts, you'll know the entire list of the tour See, there will be on go. there. It's CPOP in uh, Manchester. Um, in Knights of Columbus in Cottleville on the 24th. We're going to take the last Friday of the month off just because I'm out of town, and then we'll we'll still nail something down for the 7th of April. But it's a lot of fun. We had a blast last week, so come see us in Eureka as we do the roundtable and the entire show there for three hours, three to six, this Friday afternoon. Uh, what else should I mention here? I feel like I should promote something that's coming up tomorrow, and I can't. Oh, John Ziegler's going to be on tomorrow, and Killmead as well. Zig's been, you know, he's the host of the, um, the podcast, the, the Media Malpractice Podcast, which is outstanding. The Death of Journalism is what it's called. And he's been highlighting some things that I think people want to hear about. So, Mr. Ziegler, tomorrow, right here on 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, Carrie Ingram is with me right now. She is the director and the fellow of the American Center for Transforming Education at the Discovery Institute in Seattle and wrote a piece about classrooms and some of the craziness that's going on in classrooms. Carrie, how are you? Welcome to the Midwest. Is it raining in Seattle right now? It is not. We actually have a beautiful sunny day here. Uh, one of those rare days. I've only been to Seattle a couple of times, but both times I've been there, it has been gloomy. I don't think I saw the sun. So you guys got that tag a little bit, right? We do. It's, it's very true. Uh, once in a while, that sun will break through, and today we got a gorgeous one. Well, that's good. It's it's not too bad. A little chill. We had a great weather. It's the chilly. First, yeah, it's chilly today, right, Sue? Eh, you know, we had such nice weather for the past I week. I know. Let's talk about the um, what you wrote about and some of the things you're concerned about. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart for a variety of reasons. It's certainly, um, you know, everything that's happened in education in the aftermath of the pandemic. There's, there's lots to talk about, Carrie, as you know, because there's the loss of learning. There's the social social issues. Uh, you point out some of the, you know, things that came out of the American Psychological Association where one third of teachers survey reported they experienced one incident of verbal and or threatening violence from students during COVID. So some of this stuff is leading to safety issues as well, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Um, and it was just staggering to go on to quote uh, what the APA found was that 14 percent of teachers and 22 percent of school staff they cited physical violence from students towards them during COVID. And considering schools were closed for much of the period they're looking at, those percentages, they're just staggering to consider. Um, and what we see is, you know, the pandemic, obviously, it was detrimental to students and their development, their academic, the learning loss. Um, but it was so much more than that. And even when students returned into the classroom, they were forced to wear masks. They had to social distance from their peers. And these are children, children that need to see smiles. They need hugs. They need high fives. And that culture was changed when kids came back to school. And so we've got the teacher unions who had this prolonged school closure to really drive their political agendas, leverage their power at the expense of children. But once they came back, they just continued to isolate kids from one another um, and you know, that, that's a great point. Because, that impact. Yeah, you can make maybe you can make at least a partial case that at the beginning, you know, if you want to go back three years from this very moment, right? This is the the week that everything sort of shut down three years ago. Uh, if you want to go back to that first month or two when nobody knew exactly what we were encountering and you know it was confusing and there were people dying, et cetera, well, maybe a little leeway there. But as you get into the summer and you realize what's happening and then you have school that is supposed to start in the fall, there were so many of these, you know, including my daughter's kindergarten that said, nope, we're going to do, you know, 
remote learning. And then we got lucky in Missouri, Carrie, just because most of the districts, at least here in our state and in the media area, not all of them, they, you know, they got rid of the in-person learning relatively quickly, but they still kept the masks on and all these other things that were detrimental to the kids. Absolutely. You know, and in other places around the country, those school closures, they spanned three academic years of keeping kids out of school, out of routine, out of normal interactions. Um, And what we see now, when those kids come back to school, um, there's some driving agendas that are fueling just significant implications on children. One of those would be critical race theory. Yeah. And so, even when schools were closed, the driving priority of teacher training was CRT, and then teachers quickly integrated that into student lessons, activities, even before schools opened. Well, when you're pitting students against one another solely based on their skin color and saying you're either an oppressor or you're oppressed, add in all these other factors, and we're bound to see students act out misbehavior, disrespect, violence. But what the schools are doing because of the teacher union's agendas, the lack of accountability, and just some of this woke ideology of this driving equity narrative, uh, we're not going to provide consequences for students based upon their actions. We're not going to hold kids responsible. It's all about restorative justice, racial justice. Um, We're going to make sure that student outcomes for behavior, for discipline, are equal among races. And what that means is when minority students act out, teachers, they can't discipline them. They can't hold them accountable because they have these metrics that they have to meet. And that does a disservice to the students who are the victims, to those teachers, but ultimately it does a disservice to that student who's being handicapped for life by failure to learn basic responsibility, accountability. Uh, That's going to carry through rest of their life. Carrie Ingram is with us. She's the director and a fellow at the American Center for Transforming Education in Seattle at the Discovery Institute. One of the concerns that I have on all of this, would love your opinion, I spoke with Lance Izumi last night on some of the same topics relating to CRT. He and some co-authors have a book out. And for those people who are paying attention, you know about all these incidents, maybe not all of them, but a good portion of the incidents that have occurred around the country from Virginia to um, to California when it comes to the woke indoctrination. And, you know, so there's a lot there's a lot to kind of pull out and expose there. Parents who've gotten involved showing up at, at meetings, they know what's going on. But for the most part, if we're being honest, a lot of that is inside baseball because what the rest of America hears is what the legacy media wants to shell out. In other words, that what they're doing in Florida, Ron DeSantis, that's Jim Crow 2.0, right? He doesn't want to. Andrea Mitchell flat out just lied on NBC saying that DeSantis does not want to teach African-American history. It's actually against the law in Florida to not teach African-American history. It's required as part of the law, but it doesn't stop them from lying about this stuff. So the CRT issue in particular, I find interesting, Carrie, just because they get to lie about this so much and say, oh, it's not there. Nothing's happening. Nothing to see here. And I think most people just buy it hook, line, and sinker. You know, the left and these radicals are really clever in uh, renaming things. So you've got CRT, Marxist worldview, but they're taught under the innocently sounding guise of ethnic studies or culturally responsive mathematics. You know, they're adjusting language to 
cover up truly what's the root of it, which is critical race theory in a Marxist worldview. Um, the same thing's happening, you know, on academics. Kids aren't being held accountable there. We're taking away um, grades based upon the core academic subjects, and we're putting in all of this social-emotional learning that's rooted in the CRT, in the Marxist. We're asking kids, and they're getting credit. They're getting academic points for saying, you know, well, how confident do you feel in your mathematic answers that you gave? You know, how do you feel about this? And so we're lowering the bar, inflating grades, truly at a disservice to kids. You know, the best gift we can give children is to provide equal opportunity for all students and ensure high standards, whether it's academic, discipline, respect, because that's going to set the course of their life. Um, But this goal of equity, of providing, um, you know, no longer is it equal opportunity, but really forcing these uniform performance outcomes based upon skin color, it's hurting everybody. And we need more people to get informed, to speak up. Um, And we need legislators like what's happening in Florida to take a stand. I'm really proud of the work that they're doing there. I am too. And we have some of that same work going on here in Missouri as well with uh, Parents' Bill of Rights and some of the other issues that are very important related to CRT or even the trans issues in schools these days. So I don't know. You know, some people have made the case and maybe I've even bought into this a little bit in the last year that we've reached peak woke. Every time I think we've reached peak woke, we have some people that are pushing back appropriately in the um, in the media, the Bill Mars and some of the others that have you know come forward and, and taken some time to speak out about some of this. Then I then I doubt myself and think, okay, there's still a big problem here because I don't think this has been exposed enough. And to some people, when it's exposed, they hear words like Marxism and they just write it off, right? And one of the questions I had for Lance last night is, wouldn't it be nice, and I don't know the answer to this, Carrie, what's the requirement for the the teaching of communism and the horrors of communism over the last couple hundred years? I'd be curious about that type of curriculum, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that curriculum decision, those are all governed at the state level. So you're going to see quite the variety between states. Um, but really, we, we just come back to we've got to teach kids the basics. We've got to teach them how to grow up to be responsible citizens. We need to teach them to have value for their country. And unfortunately, right now, our public schools are teaching students to hate our country. And we've got to prepare students in the basics, reading, writing, math, the ability to communicate effectively, to resolve conflict, to think critically. And these side agendas of our public school are doing such a detriment to our children. Yeah. Well, that's because nothing's more important than bringing up an anti-racist. That's the most important thing in America in 2023. Carrie, I appreciate the uh, the attention on this particular topic. Keep us posted, okay? You bet. On the, uh, I got to throw this in here because I mentioned John Ziegler from California, the host of the Death of Journalism podcast, and a, a good friend of the show is going to join us tomorrow. And when I was listening to his most recent episode today, he featured a clip and, and he teased it in a way that certainly got my attention because he thought this might be one of the more dramatic clips of the year. And I don't know if I'm ready to make that case right now, but this is interesting. This is Bill Maher, the aforementioned Bill Maher with Bernie Sanders. And he sort of, he trips Bernie up just a little bit on a question that's relatively simple. Now, you have to keep in mind that this administration, we talked about Cory Bush, you know, Tashara Jones, Kim Gardner, 
everything that they want to do, and we thought, some of us thought Biden wasn't going to buy into all this stuff because he was the adult in the room, is about equity. Everything is about DEI, right? That's what we're having across even federal bureaucracy. So here's Bill Maher with Bernie Sanders, former presidential candidate and uh, member of the United States Senate. Are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years. And before that, we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. That like it's the same word. And it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about... Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think... I think so. I think that's okay. Fine. So, which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think Bill was being very respectful there of the senator because he sounded like an idiot when he was tripped up on that. And Rich Lowry wrote about this in National Review, said it this way, I like this. He said, look, this might be another indication that old-fashioned socialists are, in some important respects, less noxious than today's identity politics-obsessed progressives. Even with a simple question, keep in mind the left does have challenges when it comes to simple questions. They can't define what a woman is. That's too tough to say adult female. Can't do that. Even members of the Supreme Court KBJ can't say what a woman is, and we can't really give you a definition of equality versus equity, because if we do, we might expose ourselves. That was very revealing. There you go. We'll talk more about it with Zig tomorrow. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We got Sue Thomas doing Sue's news in the next hour here at four o'clock hour on 97.1 FM Talk. Political insider Scott Jennings will also join us. We'll talk politics. We always do. But I'm telling you, he caught my attention. Scott had a column in the L.A. Times today about the new rules for a faster paced game. He's a huge Cardinals fan. In fact, associated with that column was a picture of uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Wayne. I'll have to check on that. But they talk about the Cardinals, or he talks about the Cardinals, because he was down there in Jupiter for spring training. couple things to update you on here before we get to the top of the hour. Um, and I'm just finding out about this right now. Apparently it happened a little bit earlier this afternoon. The um, A federal judge has ruled that Missouri's SAPAW, the Second Amendment Protection or Preservation Act, as they call it, is unconstitutional. This is U.S. District Judge Brian Wimmers ruled that the law is preempted by the federal government under the Constitution's Supremacy Clause. 
He wrote, at best, this statute causes confusion among state law enforcement officials who are deputized for federal task operations. At its worst, it's unconstitutional on its face. Andrew Bailey, the attorney general of Missouri, says that he will he will appeal. Look, this is one of those. I'm just going to be honest with you here and, and shoot straight, which is typically what I do. This is one of those things that Republicans did in the legislature that I was somewhat suspicious of, not because I don't support gun rights, but because I do. And I think what they were trying to do here and this the way that the Post-Dispatch, for example, wrote this story is a perfect example of how bias works. But again, you get people to believe this and, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, you'll get a ruling like this. A Missouri law banning local police from enforcing federal gun laws is unconstitutional. I don't believe that that law banned local police from enforcing federal gun laws. The sponsors have been on this show many times defending it. However, there is this gray area there. And a lot of the prosecutors from across the state, conservative prosecutors, people who are Republicans or vote Republicans, had issue with this. And what you're told by people here in St. Louis is that when you have federal laws that include things that deal with weapons and registration and tracking, things along those lines, uh, possession of firearms by domestic violence offenders, that it's in conflict with the law that they passed here. So I don't know where this takes us, but that was a ruling by a federal judge, so it gets appealed. Who knows? Maybe it ends up at the United States Supreme Court. I, I would have to say, not being an expert in the law, not being a judge, I think that this might be one that might be tough to overturn. But I'm not a constitutional expert, so we'll see what Andrew Bailey says, and we'll get him on the air. This is interesting in New York. I meant to talk about this yesterday. This is a a guy who um, is with the New York Police Department, Jeffrey Mattery, and they have a new policy in New York. It's sort of a workaround a little bit because what's happening is, and we know this here too, you got all these criminals that are coming in, and they're busting up the CVS or the Walgreens or other stores, and they have masks on because of COVID, right? So they have masks on, they get in there, and they can't identify who the culprits are. I mean, in St. Louis, it wouldn't even matter because even if they could identify them, they wouldn't be prosecuted. So here's the policy. We're asking the businesses to be proactive with this. All right. We're asking the businesses to make this a condition of entry that people, when they come in, they should show their face. They should identify themselves. And if they feel like they want to put their mask back on after they identify themselves for their safety, by all means, they should do so. Oh, this is just awesome. Considering where the state of New York, the uh, the city of New York, the rest of the country put these business owners in with requirements. Now, at a certain point, I don't have empathy for the people in New York and some of these other places because they went well beyond what any guidelines should be with all the forced masking, etc. But now they have a problem because the criminals are using that to their advantage. Here's Paul Morrow, who is a Fox expert. He's on this show quite a bit as well. You know, this is classic NYPD. They've come up with a workaround, right? The NYPD is used to operating in a system that's somewhat adversarial to their efforts, and Chief Madry knows his business. So I'm going to tell you what's going on here. You got a bunch of guys in the room. They said, look, we're getting killed on these grand larceny numbers, these very visible smash and grabs. They're taking jewelry out of high-end stores, very uh, high-end boutiques down in Soho, Tribeca, elsewhere. It makes a lot of news. It drives the numbers. So we got to come up with something. Since we're not keeping these recidivist felons crews who are doing these robberies, and robberies really the bellwether, in, in, in my opinion, more than murder. We're getting killed on these numbers. We had to come up with a workaround. So 
you know what? If you don't have, uh, if you don't take the mask off, we're not going to let you in. A lot of these stores, the door is locked, especially these high-end stores. So if they say, you know what, you're not coming in without the mask, they're sending the message. You're going to be on camera. Yeah. So they want them to just kind of e even just lift the mask up, show your face, and then go into the store. And they're hoping that what's going to happen is that these crews who come in in large groups, 10 people, 12 people, are going to say, "Ugh, they're on to us," and they're going to turn around and they're going to walk away. Now. This is not going to work in a bodega in the Bronx at 4 a.m., all right? That's only going to lead to trouble, telling people you can't come in if you're wearing a mask. You can forget that. This is what's going on here is they're targeting it at the big public smash and grabs that we've seen. And frankly, I think it's a clever idea. Classic NYPD make it work. Yeah, clever idea. Will it work? The criminals will probably find something else to do. They'll do a workaround as well. Second hour, including Sue's News and Scott Jennings, coming up. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 